This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. The Holy Spirit reminds us um, that uh, the revelation which comes from God is fully given, that his task is to uh, make this revelation come to life uh, in our hearts and minds uh, and to warn us, uh, to, to guide us against deviation, against being taken away uh, by other things. Now, again, um, you know, sitting here in the abstract, uh, you might say, well, uh, is this very likely to happen? Perhaps not. Uh, at least not to us right now. Uh, but uh, again, we have to remember that uh, there are people, uh, you know, false prophets running around, uh, people who come up with strange ideas, and people get taken away uh, in, uh, with this. Uh, and sometimes it's not always predictable. You can't always see it coming. Um, I mean, this year, for instance, we're, we're, I don't know, celebrating is the wrong word, commemorating uh, the outbreak of the First World War 100 years ago. Uh, and a lot of people saying, well, you know, this, com has com this completely changed the world. I mean, when, when the European countries went to war in 1914, they had no idea what was going to happen. You know, they, did, they could not foresee the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, uh, you know, which occurred during that war as a, as, a, as a result of the war, and all the things that sort of came out of that, they, they had no idea. Even more, they couldn't foresee the rise of Hitler, which of course also came out, uh, you know, of the war in the end. I mean, not immediately, but it did after a time uh, as a reaction to this. And the Hitler case is even more uh, astonishing because Hitler came to power democratically. He was elected. And I remember reading a, a, a biography of him saying, which said straight out, of all the great political leaders uh, in human history, Adolf Hitler was the only one who had nothing to offer except a big mouth. I mean... Everybody else, I mean, Julius Caesar was a great general, Napoleon was a great general, you know, they had ideas uh, and, 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 and so on. And there was, always, there was more to them than just political power. But Adolf Hitler had nothing. I mean, he was a failed corporal, he was a failed artist, he was a failed this, he was a failed that. And all he could do was stand up and shout. But the terrible thing is, millions of people believed this. They fell, the power of persuasion, they fell for this, you see. And now, all right, again, you see, we, we, we're sufficiently distant from it that we can sit back and say, imagine that, how did that ever happen? Uh, you know, I'd never be like that. But you don't know. And this is very worrying, I think, for Christians because we are susceptible to this, you see especially with modern media, I mean, we could easily find ourselves in a society, in a country, where 
the mass of the population is caught up in some kind of hysteria, um, you know, that's, that, that comes about like this. You don't know where it's come from, you don't know why, you can't predict it, you can't control it, it's just there. And it's usually tied with some kind of, you know, uh, follow me and paradise will arrive. Uh, you, you, you know, that's the, I mean, I, you know what I mean, life will get a lot better. It's usually some kind of promise like this. And we have to be on our guard against this. Um, uh, we have to uh, understand uh, that salvation is not to be found in this way. Uh, that, you know, uh, you, you are not going to save the world by following some great leader. Um, uh, even if it's a genuine great leader, um, you know, you're, you're not going to get anywhere like this. And, um, and really learn this and understand this, you see, because the Holy Spirit is given to us to protect us against false teachers. And the fact that a false teacher comes in the guise of a, uh, of a demagogue, uh, you know, of a popular politician or whatever, I mean, it could be anything, really. Um, you know, we need, we, we need to be uh, warned about this and protected against it. And this is uh, a mission, I think, that we have, um, uh, you know, from the Holy Spirit. Uh, please don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm not getting involved in any particular view one way or the other. I'm just saying this is a phenomenon uh, in our world. And the frightening thing is how easily people can be swayed. Uh, you know, and, and particularly if things are going bad for them, if you know, thing, in, if it's depression, if there's a, a depression, a lot of people lose their job and so on, as happened in Germany, uh, you know, in the early 1930s. You're creating the social conditions where this kind of thing is even more uh, likely to to take off than it would be otherwise. Uh, you know, it's dangerous. All right. The Holy Spirit is the agent of God. Uh, in the world and has been from the beginning. Uh, Genesis 1, the, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. The creation uh, was, uh, you know, in and through the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ came into the world by the Holy Spirit. Mary conceived by the Spirit. And so conceived by the Holy Spirit uh, and born of the Virgin Mary. So at, at, at every point, the church came into being on the day of Pentecost uh, when uh, you know, God sent his Holy Spirit uh, to the disciples uh, to, uh, to bring the message and to, to bring the church into being. So at these key points, these key moments uh, in the history of salvation, it has been a work of the Holy Spirit um, uh, that has initiated this, that has come uh, into the world. So this is the importance of this for us. Um, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and my heart. And what does he do? The first thing he does, and this is John, in John chapter 14, 15, 16, you'll see this, the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Uh, and these things uh, are essential. Uh, you see, all we talk about justification, sanctification, all these things, yes, but if there isn't this conviction in the heart and mind of those to whom the Holy Spirit comes, then the rest is meaningless. It won't happen. Um, you know, because the, the, the Holy Spirit cannot come 
into the heart of a, of a, of a, of a human being without convicting, you see. And conviction of sin is first. Now, um, this is a, a good illustration of this. Uh, can be seen from a caricature of, of Christian uh, belief, um, uh, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. I say caricature, I don't mean this in a bad way, but whoever started Alcoholics Anonymous took a leaf out of the Christian book, you know, as to, as to how, how a life could, should be transformed. And of course, what they will tell you in AA, I don't belong to AA, by the way, they cannot do anything with a person, with an alcoholic, until the alcoholic realizes his need. And this may mean that the alcoholic will have to go right to the bottom, you know, to get to the point of utter despair uh, where there's no other solution and he, and, and, and he then goes over, you know, to the program that they offer for rehabilitation and so on. And they say they don't obviously like this situation. I mean, nobody wishes this on anybody, but they say the nature of the problem is such that... Uh, you know, this is often the only way that you get through to these people. And the caricature, of course, of Christianity is that the same is true of Christian faith, that without conviction of sin, uh, there can be no salvation. I mean, if you don't know you've got a problem, if you have no sense of wrongdoing in your life, why on earth would you be interested in a savior? You know, um, you just don't, you're not prepared for that. You don't understand that. You don't know why. Um, why should Jesus save you when you, don't, when you haven't got a problem? So uh, conviction of sin has got to come first, and it has to be conviction. Uh, because again, uh, you see, what we find in, in the world we live in is a general recognition of, of inadequacy and imperfection. You know, um, I mean, everybody recognizes that they're inadequate in some way or imperfect. You know, and we say this, oh, nobody's perfect, you know. Um, and this morning, very early in the morning, I was listening to the, this program on the radio um, where it was funny, they were talking about cosmetic surgery and uh, saying, you know, that this has become a, a huge mega industry, a worldwide mega industry. And they talked about this and how it's abused and all sorts of stuff like this. But in the end, they, sort of, they, they, they said, well, what is it about our society that makes people want to do this anyway? You know, uh, I mean, where does this sort of makeover, they call it the makeover society. You know, people are not happy with who they are or what they are. They want to be something else. You know, they, they, they can't live with themselves as they are. And, uh, I mean, this is, this is a very, this is what came up, this was a question, why is this, you see? And I thought, well, this is a very interesting statement because uh, if only this were more widely true and directed in a spiritual sense, you see, this was the lack of spiritual, yeah, they, I mean, they know there's something wrong, but what are you going to do about it, you know? 
So you ring up a clinic in Argentina or something and, 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 and go off and you know, have your body curves re reshaped or, or something like this as, as if this is going to change you in some way. Um, whereas what you really need is a, you know, is a makeover, not on the surface, but inside, um, in your heart and mind. And so uh, this is conviction of sin. You see this realization that there's something deeply wrong inside that can only be put right by God. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit never convicts people of sin independently of righteousness and judgment. I mean, genuine conviction of sin is always accompanied uh, by a message of salvation. And this also we need to remember because there's a certain caricature of Christianity which says it's all sort of hellfire and brimstone preaching and, and things like this. Well, I, I, I'm always amazed when I hear this. You know, people sort of, people who are not churchgoers, atheists and so on, say, you know, the church always preaches damnation. And I'm, I'm, I'm mystified by this uh, because I've never been in a church where this has ever been mentioned. You know, and, and I mean, I go to lots of different churches, including quite conservative churches. But I mean, ask yourself, when was the last time you heard a pastor stand up and, and, and send the congregation to hell? You know, I'm not saying they should, but, but have you ever heard this? I mean, I've never heard this. I've, the only time I've ever heard it is, a, is on talk shows uh, from people who, are, who don't go to church who aren't believers and who assume that this is what goes on, you know. Um, and uh, either this or, or, or you know, the, the Pope is somehow wicked because the Pope is always condemning people to hell. And I've never heard this. <laughs> I mean, when was the last time he did that? You know, this doesn't actually happen. You can't really say this is a major problem in the life of the church today. That you know that you walk into church and the first thing somebody's going to do to you is go say, shout, point at you in the face and say, "Go to hell." I mean, this is very unlikely to happen, you know. And uh, I, I say this because, in a way, well, in one way, it's a good thing. I mean, you don't want that. But in another way, it's 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 unfortunate because um, you know what they do say it tends to be sort of you know, airy-fairy, nice things to say, but, I mean, nothing very challenging, nothing, you know, very deep. There's no, as I say, no conviction of sin. But when there's no serious conviction of sin, there's no serious conviction of righteousness either. Uh, because if you haven't really done anything terribly wrong, um, how are you ever going to recognize what's right? You know, the things get blurred. Um, and, and most people live in this blurry sort of, vagueness. They're not quite sure what's right or wrong. Um, you know, they just kind of move from one thing to the other. They're not, they're not Ill, malicious. They don't mean uh, harm or anything like that. But, but moral questions and right and wrong and things, this is, this is something beyond their, their everyday uh, experience and discussion. They just don't know how to, they don't want to go there. They don't want to get in, in, into that kind of thing. Uh, you know, for themselves. I mean, maybe other people they might be w quite willing to condemn, but themselves they're not, you know, uh, like this. And this is why, uh, you see, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is clarify the, the situation.
uh, showing us that, you know, yes, we are sinners in need of salvation and what salvation is, uh, you know, that, that it's available, that there is a righteousness, that there, it is possible uh, to live in fellowship with God and so on, that we can, in fact, um, you know, have a better life uh, by doing this. And then judgment, of course, that is basically discrimination, knowing the difference uh, uh, between the two. Uh, and um, and again, you see, we it's we have to be careful because in our world today, discrimination has become an increasingly bad word. You know, um, it's still possible to use the word discrimination in a in a positive sense if you say, for example, um, you know, uh, the art critic of, of of the local newspaper is very discriminating. In other words, they know the difference between quality and, and junk uh, and say so. So you can use the word in a positive sense still. Um, but the fact of the matter is uh, you cannot be a Christian without discriminating. Uh, of course, what you discriminate and how you discriminate, the basis is, is not the same as it would be in the world. Um, but you cannot accept that er that anything goes, that everything goes, that there's no uh, there's no right and no wrong. You know, it's all a matter of personal opinion or uh, or something like this. I mean, we uh, you know w we do discriminate and we do think that yes, some things are tolerable are, are okay and other things aren't. And a lot of people don't don't want to hear that. Um, you know, they're not interested. So the the work of the Holy Spirit to convict uh, and of course to bring. To repentance and faith, um, you cannot uh, come to faith in Christ without repentance. Repentance is essential. Um, how can you be forgiven uh, if you don't think you need it? Um, and this again is is a problem. I mean, I've come across this um, uh, in various cases. You get people who. Uh, who cause offense, a real offense to people or to others, but who don't realize it or who won't accept it. Uh, and if you say to the person who has been offended, who been 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 hurt, sometimes, you know, quite seriously, um, you must forgive, you know, your persecutors or the people who've done this. Well, yes, in theory, of course, you must forgive them. I'm not saying you, that you shouldn't, but if the person you are forgiving doesn't know why, because they don't haven't done anything wrong as far as they're concerned, you know, and why? I mean, if you walk up to somebody and and um, and, and say, "I forgive you for the way you've treated me." And that person doesn't think they've done anything to you that was in any way bad or in need of forgiveness. I mean, what's going to happen? You see, in this context, I mean, repentance and forgiveness and so on, if you don't know, I mean, if you, if, if you haven't been convicted, if, if it's a one-sided thing, it's likely to cause more confusion uh, than anything else. Um, uh, you see, now, uh, of course, in the case of God, 
Um, I mean, God knows, you see, that, that, that he has been offended by us, by our behavior and so on, that we do need to repent. I mean, there's no question on his side. Unless, you know, I understand this uh, and, uh, and, and approach him in this way and repent um, uh, of my sin, um, well, we're not connecting, are we? Uh, you, you know, there's just no, um, how can I, he can't forgive me because I don't, I'm not open to that. I don't understand that. And it's interesting that as I've gone on in the Christian life, repentance is something I pray for every day, much more than anything else. You know, I mean, I pray for other things, of course, too. But repentance is something that, that is at the top of my list, you know, every day. Because I, I know I have offended, and I know I have offended and don't realize it. You know, sometimes I do realize it, but I don't always realize it. And uh, I've become much more sensitive to this, you know, the need um, uh, to seek God's forgiveness and, uh, and how important it is. And I think this is a work of the Holy Spirit in my life. At least I hope and pray that it is, because that's what I think he does um, uh, in us. The next thing, of course, is that there are a number of people who tend to reduce the Holy Spirit to a force, to a power. Um, they talk about the Holy, they even talk about the Holy Spirit as an it. Uh, terrible mistake, but one of those little giveaways that shows that they don't know who the Holy Spirit is. And you see, they don't realize that he is a person. Um, they think of him as a force. And they treat him this way. You see, this I think is a particular problem in charismatic circles where the work of the Holy Spirit is often associated with the, with the, the gifts, you know, speaking in tongues, prophecy, and all this kind of thing. And it's kind of measured in this way. Now, as I said earlier in the day, it's, it's not that I have anything particularly against these things. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't have strong feelings one way or the other uh, about spiritual gifts. Um, but I do believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is far more important than any particular manifestation of his power. By this I mean... I would rather know that I am in contact with the Holy Spirit, speaking to him and having, hearing him speak to me, than that uh, I would have some sort of gift by which I could measure uh, the, the degree to which he is working in, in me. You know? In other words, the fact that I don't speak in tongues, I do not regard as a problem. You know, as some kind of absence of the spirit in my life, or something like this, and uh, and I think we, we we must remember this. You see that um, the the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our I mean, He's free to work in our lives in many different ways and does so. But His power is a function of His presence. Uh, and the power may, may manifest itself in many different ways and different times, but the presence is constant. 
That's what we need to pray for. That's what we need to concentrate on. We need to remain in touch uh, with the Holy Spirit to understand him uh, present in our lives. Now, some of his gifts, you see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are of two types. Uh, on the one hand, um, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, uh, you have... Uh, the gifts which are, are, are perhaps more often called the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, long, all that kind of thing. And then, of course, you have the, the specific gifts, preaching, teaching, uh, evangelism, speaking in tongues, and all the rest of it. But they are two different things, two quite different things, and we, uh, we know this because of what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, where he talks about the spiritual gifts, uh, like you know, preaching, teaching, etc., speaking in tongues, and says, quite bluntly, um, you can do all that sort of thing, you, know, you can have every gift going, uh, as far as I'm concerned, but if you haven't got love, you are wasting your time. You know, this is a complete nonsense. So the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc., these are given to everybody. These are fundamental. You cannot do without them. And we need to remember this. Uh, I once worked with somebody who uh, regarded himself as a prophet, uh, among other things. You know, he had, he had various spiritual gifts. But he had no love, and he had no patience. Um, in other words, uh, you know, he would come to you and tell you what God had told him was going to happen to you and you needed to do. But he didn't do it in any, with any kind of love. And, and he wouldn't wait either. I mean, you know, he'd just come and tell you, it's right now and you better do it right now because I can't wait. You know, this has got to happen now. No patience. And, and this was extremely disruptive. You know. I, of course, heathen pagan that I am, just threw him out. I said, go. I'm not having any, you know, I don't want to know. Uh, whereupon, of course, I, I, I became the devil incarnate, but I don't mind. Um, you know, it's just very hard to deal with this when people get like this. But sometimes this happens, you know. And, and of course, it happened in the Corinthian church. There were people there who had these gifts, who were speaking in tongues, and who were imposing this on everybody else. You had to listen, you know. And... And Paul would sort of say, wrote to them and said, uh, hang on a minute here, you know, keep it under control. These people, you don't have to listen. These people should keep, you know, uh, stay within the bounds of, the, uh, uh, of decency and order in the church. Just let three people talk. Don't let anyone talk unless there's an interpreter. Uh, you know, make sure that, 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 that things are under control um, and so that you know what's going on. Uh, you know, because if somebody comes in from outside and sees this chaos going on, what are they going to think? Um, so, you know, Paul make, doesn't mince his words about this. He says, yes, he, doesn't, he never says, very interesting, you see, he never says these gifts are false. He never says, no, you can't do this. 
and we mustn't do this. Some people do say this. They say that you know, speaking in tongues is diabolical and all this. We, we haven't got the right to do that. We can't, we, we can't say this. But if people have a gift of this kind, whatever it is, and it's not under control, and it doesn't fit in with the with the, you know the way the church operates. I mean, um, I mean I've seen cases, uh, you know, of, of of people who stand up in the middle of a service uh, and start preaching, in effect, you know, from the from the congregation, or prophesying or something. I mean, you know, interrupting uh, one way or the other, and you just know that this is wrong. Um, uh, you know that that this is not being done decently and in order, and you simply have to say to this person, uh, you know, whoever they are, uh, so excuse me, but not now. You know, if you have a message from God that you, you're going to share with us, all right. Uh, you know, after the service is over, let's go, you know we'll go to, we'll get together in a corner and you can tell us and we'll, we we'll sort out what we think about this, but not to the point where you start disrupting things. And this happens. I mean, it doesn't happen very often, perhaps, but it does happen. Uh, and, uh, and it can happen, of course, more subtly, um, perhaps not in the middle of a worship service, but in a church meeting or something like this. You know, if you, get a, if you have a church council and one member of the council uh, has a hotline to God. Um, no, it's, it's true, you know. I mean, um, there are people like this. I often say there are two kinds of eternal life. Uh, there's, uh, there's dying and, and, and going to heaven to be with Jesus. You see, that's the officially approved version. The other way to live forever is to get yourself elected on a church committee and say no to everything. Because the abominable no man, as we call these people, um, they live forever. They do. I mean... You can, poison, you can poison their coffee, you can change the time of the meeting, you can pass a rule saying you cannot serve more than two terms at once, and so on. But somehow or other, the abominable no man carries on. You know, and... Um, uh, uh, no, really, and, and, and you, cannot, you cannot get through to them because, you know, this is God's... The, 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 you know, God is talking to them. And um, you have to be extremely careful uh, at this point um, uh, of this sort of person. Anyhow, uh, the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not forms of possession. This is the other thing. This is what Paul teaches the Corinthians. Because when he said the prophets control the spirit, you know, the spirit of the prophets is in the control of the prophets. So if it's genuine, if, the prophet, you know, if these people have a real gift of the spirit, they can control it. And this is what he tells the Corinthians to do. You know, don't, don't let them run away with this on the grounds that they can't do anything. You know, they, 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 sort of God has pushed the button and, and, and off they go. Uh, and there's no way they can stop it. This is not true. Uh, you know, if a person uh, behaves like this, uh, is out of control, uh, then you know it's not God. Uh, and I mean, there are people like this. Uh, you know, around and um, and many churches suffer because they don't really know how to deal with this. You know, they think that the kind thing to do is let them carry on, um, and and this is not the kind thing to do. You know, they have to be stopped. Um, I mean, of course, in a in a pastorally sensitive way. Yes, I'm not saying that, but still, they have to be stopped because otherwise, they take over, 
um, and uh, you know the church gets into big trouble because you've got all this sort of thing going on, um, and, and and there's nobody in control except this. I mean, it becomes manipulation, doesn't it? Really, in the end. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.